as you find your seats, turn with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, toward the back, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to come back and look at the family of God that God has given to us in Christ. Glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome. Thank you so much for coming. All right, we're going to begin with a question. This one is actually, I'm going to ask for a response. Sometimes it's rhetorical. You shout it out. We get a little off sync. So let me tell you, this is participation. Um, And actually, it's not going to be verbal. Just raise your hand. And here it is. It's a one-question survey. How many of you in your lifetime have ever walked into Ross Dress for Less? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Ross Dress for Less. Admit it. It's okay. It's good. Raise your hand. I'm almost every single one of us raised our hands and said, yes, I have to admit, I have been to Ross Dress for Less. Do you know that I've had a dream of pastoring a church that looked like Ross Dress for Less? It's true. I mean, really, and this is not a new thing. I mean, this began really when God started to call me out of youth ministry into a pulpit ministry, and I started dreaming about a church that one day I could pastor. I was so excited. And as I dreamed about what that might look like, what that church might look like, really what came to mind was Ross Dress for Less. Why? Because Ross Dress for Less is the only place that I go to in Central Florida that I see everybody there. I mean, it's true. I see white folks. I see black folks. I see Hispanic folks. I see folks that look like they have money. I have folks that look like they don't have much money. They all happen to be at Ross Dress for Less. And I started to dream saying, God, wouldn't it be awesome if I could pastor a church that looked like Ross Dress for Less? But where does that dream come from? Because quite frankly, I'm not real comfortable at Ross Dress for Less. I might be spotted. Someone might say, so that's where you get your clothes, huh? Or really, why I'm uncomfortable probably has to do more with my sin. Because I walk in there and sometimes I just feel arrogant. I get this feeling of superiority. I think if you know me, you know me as a man who loves people. I think if you know me, I I find uh, discrimination repugnant. But something happens when I go into Ross Dress for Less. I start feeling a bit superior to others. It's ugly. And yet there's this dream that maybe someday... I could pastor a church that looked like it. And I want to say, well, why? If, if, if I go there and I don't feel really comfortable, why in the world am I drawn to it? Why would a Ross Dress for Less kind of church appeal to me? Because really my whole life, I have been around people like me. That's the kind of school I went to. It's the kind of friends I associate. But what is it? That drives me. And you know what? I I really believe 
that it's a God-given drive. I believe it's something that didn't come from me. It came from our great God. You see, what God is doing is uniting the world in His Son to look a whole lot better than Ross dress for less, but it includes every tribe, tongue, and nation. It includes every color, every socioeconomic class, and He calls them all family. It's beautiful. And so really, I think that the drive that God gave me for this came from Him. We've been studying for a while the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, Paul's going to give us kind of the point of the whole book. He's going to say that we are going to make known the mystery, this mystery that God, the Father, who created all things, God the Father is uniting, bringing all things together in Christ. He's making all things one. Interesting, things in heaven and things in earth. Because God values diversity, but He values unity. And you know why I believe that God kind of gives me this passion to be a pastor of a church that looks like Ross Dress for Less? Because that's the church that we are becoming. Now, I don't mean that necessarily here at Orangewood, although that would be awesome. But truly, when we look to God's Word and we look to the end of the story and Jesus comes back and we have a new heavens and a new earth and oh, the old is going to completely fade away and there'll be no more cancer and there'll be no more brokenness and there'll be no more destruction and there'll be no more tears. Don't you long for that? And when it comes, when He comes with a bat of an eye, guess what? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every race that He has redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, they're going to be there. It's going to be blessed. You see, that's the church that we're becoming. It's interesting because I had this dream years ago thinking that God was going to call me to plant a church. And it looked like Ross Dress for Less. But he gave me a higher calling. He called me to be your pastor. And for the last seven years, what a privilege it has been. But you know, the dream hasn't died. And I wonder at times, I hear a whisper of God saying, that's a dream I gave you. It's a dream that's mine. That's what I value for my family. Should this be a dream for OPC? Should it really? I think so. Because I think it's biblical. I'll often say to you, we are? Talked to a man this week. Said, Jeff, every time you say we're family, I got a buddy who cringes. Right here. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's several of you. Maybe several of you are just kind of worn out with that phony line, we are family, because maybe some of you feel detached. Probably a lot of you do. And some of you say, it's just so easy to say we are family, but are we really? Who fits? I mean, who, who fits into our family? For those of you who don't feel like you fit, it's repugnant to hear we are family. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any friends 
that you're kind of embarrassed to invite to Orangewood? Do you have any friends that maybe you just love them and you really appreciate them, who they are, and, and you know, you build a relationship with them, but you know, you kind of want them to come to church and you'd love them to experience family, but deep down you wonder, are they really going to fit? I Honestly, do you ever have friends like that? I do. There's Gary. I love Gary. Gary, Gary is a guy that comes and he, he makes, keeps our pool from turning green. And sometimes he does a good job. But Gary's really, I got to know him because his son Roy used to do it. And his son Roy, man, he was awesome. A lot of tattoos. Smart. Not really into God, but man, he's a great kid. And I love to talk to him about God. I love to just go out and try to love on him. And man, he died recently of a really weird disease. He's like 26 years old. And his dad's taken over the business. He's a great guy. And recently, I see Sid. Recently, Sid and I were sitting on my back porch, and Gary comes by, and we sit and we talk about God in the midst of suffering. And it's those kind of things, by the way, a little side note that in a couple of weeks coming up on Sunday nights, we're going to talk about why do bad things happen to good people. Man, I've had so many other people ask me that recently. I just had to do something about it. But back to Gary. Smart. Smart guy. A guy who uh, clearly knows about Christianity, but who walked away is more interested in some Eastern religion philosophy. And I ask myself a question, will he really fit here? And then there's a guy, Hacker. I love Hacker. Hacker, uh, Hacker I know from... Uh, um, the place I go have breakfast, Bagel King. You know those places you just go and you feel good? You know those places you walk in and you just feel good? That's Bagel King to me. I don't know if it's a New York bagel. I don't know if it's just the smell of good coffee. I don't know what it is, but I go to Bagel King and I love it. I feel at home. And Hacker is a friend who's developed it for years I've had a relationship with. And another smart, smart kid. I wonder, man, I want to talk to him about Jesus. I've gotten both these guys different books, and we have talked about Jesus. But I wonder, do they really fit here? Can I really invite them? I still do. I know that this, I know this is, listen, listen, I'm with you. I know this is an awkward moment here, you know, because I know that it's uncomfortable. But it's uncomfortable for reality that your pastor doesn't feel comfortable inviting his friends. Why? Is it my issue? Is it our issue? What is God doing here? What are our values? You know, in this great passage we're going to look at, God says this. He says, I have taken a dividing wall that divides Jews and Gentiles, that divides sinners, because religion does divide. It divides horribly. Oftentimes at the end of a sword or a bomb or a grenade. Religion divides. But Christ has come to unite To unite us together as family. That's why He has come. And i got to ask the question, what are we erecting that Christ has torn down? Are there any barriers that we are raising that keeps others out? Are we really family? Do our family values reflect God's family values? That's the question I've been wrestling with. Does God and His Word shape who we are and our values? Or, I have a suspicion that I do this often, do you? Do we simply ask God to bless that which we value? 
Do we simply ask God to bless that which we value, or do we look with great intentionality into His Word and say, God, let your value shape our values? Because this is Christ's church. He is the head of the church. We should reflect who He is. In Orangewood, by God's grace, this is a great body, a great church with many great things. But this morning, we got to look in the mirror and ask the hard questions because God loves us so much. He wants us to be a better family, a true family, and to reflect His values. I'm wrestling with this. I'm wrestling with this, and I've wrestled with this for seven years. And I'm going to invite you to join me in this wrestle this morning. And maybe for some time in the future. Let's look to God's Word. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. My opinion doesn't matter. His does. So let's get, look to God's holy and errant Word. We were here a few weeks ago. And we really didn't get a chance to wrap up on this We Are Family thought. So it says this, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore... Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Okay, there's a division here. There's name calling. There are those who uh, were called Gentiles, those who were Jews. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made peace, who's made us both one, and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments and ordinances that He might create in Himself one new humanity, one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God, this holy God, in one body, that's Jesus' body, through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And Jesus, He came and He preached peace to those who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him, through Jesus, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... You, are, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God in or by the Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, I know for sure this morning, like every morning, but it really seems like this morning, we need to hear from You. God, I, I just so often think it's about me and it's about my performance and it's about my words and it's about my reputation and it's about my likability and I just ask You to re- forgive that and move all that nonsense away so that we can focus on what's important here. You and Your glory. 
your church, Christ Jesus, the bride for its beauty, so that your family values will be the ones we hear. I confess before I even begin that I'm sure I have certain biases or slants that that might get in the way. So Father, would you please muzzle what you need to muzzle and amplify what you need to amplify. God, open up our ears to hear. We just have the propensity not to hear you. So speak clearly. May your spirit shine brightly into our minds so that we can understand your word and who we are in Christ. Father, our hearts have a tendency to become stony and cold. Would you wrap your loving hands around them and, and, and break them in a way that they now beat for you? Father, will you please empower our feet to walk out of here in newness of life and maybe in newness of direction? But God, through all of this, if we feel like maybe this morning we go under the physician's scalpel, we thank you for your loving hands. And we thank you the way you'll radically love Orangewood right now. And how beautiful and radiant she is right now in Christ. But Jesus, we want to look more like that church that will become. So give us ears to hear, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to ask the hard question. Are we really family? Are we really family? It's something that I value and something that I trust many of you value. And I read this week a quote. It was this. It's a good one. Listen. Dysfunctional family is redundant. Did you get it? Dysfunctional family is redundant. It's true. Every one of us, every one of our families has dysfunction. And you ready for this? Hold on to your seats. This might shock you. Orangewood, we have some dysfunction. (laughs) Starts with your pastor. Dysfunctional sinner. Starts with you. Includes our pastor, all staff, our deacons and elders. They have some dysfunction too. We're broken sinners. But there's some really good news. And here's what it is. I believe that God is calling us to embrace the fact that we are dysfunctional. Why? Because dysfunctional people need a Savior. Dysfunctional people need Jesus to come and forgive their sins, heal their wounds and brokenness, robe them in His righteousness, fill them with His Spirit, That's what we need. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the lost. He came for the broken. He came from the sheep that were dysfunctional like you and me. So there's really good news. The church sometimes loses the message that we are broken and we are dysfunctional. So what does the world look look to us and see if they don't see us embracing our dysfunction? Oftentimes they see us embracing our own righteousness, heaven forbid, our own godliness, heaven forbid, our own goodness, heaven forbid, and what do they see? Hypocrisy. That's what they see. Are you kidding me? You're a holy huddle. Are you kidding me? The church is not supposed to act like that. Are you kidding me? And the truth is, if we embrace the reality that we are dysfunctional sinners, guess what? Grace now has a vehicle to come through. The grace of God, the love of God, the healing of God, the reality of God is all found. 
with a loving God meeting broken, dysfunctional sinners. It's okay. So as we begin this, let us just take this and just say, okay, God, thank You for the reality that yes, we are broken. Yes, we are dysfunctional. But man, we are radically loved. And we are accepted in the Father. And the Son's work was sufficient. It really is finished. And now to a world that is watching, we can be honest. And we can be honest with one another and we can be honest to the world. And say, we don't have it together. That's why we love so much Jesus, because He does. That's why we cling to Him. That's why the cross is so foundational. Dysfunctional family is redundant. It's true with us. But embracing our dysfunction allows grace to seep through. And you know what else it does? It allows others to see the reality that they fit at church. It allows, because listen, we all know, we all know we're broken. We all know we're needy. We all are going to be looking to fill that void in our life that only God can fill. And if we are a church that is so winsomely loving God in the midst of our dysfunction, we now make room for others who also are dysfunctional in search of a God who can love them in the midst of their brokenness. And that is where we need to be, Orangewood. We need to be a place that's so authentic, that makes room for the world, that makes room for those who come here that don't look like us, us, act like us, that maybe didn't grow up like us. But they too need to hear the story of Jesus. You see, as we embrace our dysfunctions, other has a place that fits them. But where we need to do, be with this is we don't need to just, okay, you know what, we're messed up, let's just celebrate our messed up, and this is where God wants us to stay. No. God wants us to be holy and blameless in His sight. That's why He predestined us and called us to Himself. Look at Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Clearly, the goal is that we will be made whole. The goal is that we will be holy and blameless. That is where we are headed and we need to get ourselves there. We need to do everything we can according to God's Word and His grace to make ourselves look more like Jesus. Sometimes the church can be of one or two extremes. We forget our dysfunction or we just sit in our dysfunction. And say, oh, that's just who we are. I can't help it. Live with it. No, it's neither place that we need to be. We need to embrace it as a reality that allows God's grace to flow and others to fit. At the same time, we need to become more like Jesus and be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. Dysfunctional families redundant. Do our family values reflect God's family values? Now, we could spend a long time looking at what God's family values are, and I'm just going to quickly read a list, all from the passage that we just read. So if you want to have your Bibles open and look to Ephesians 2, let me give you a couple of things. What are the things, what are the family values of God's family? And let us ask ourselves a hard question. Do we value the same? This is what God values. Those who are separated are being brought in together. Verses 11 and 12. Those who are alienated from God are being brought in. 
verses 11 through 13. Those that are far off are being brought near, verse 17. Those in hostility are living in peace, verse 16. Those divided are being united, verse 14. Those without hope are given hope in Christ, verse 12. Those without God are embracing God by His grace, verse 12. Those banished from God's presence are being reconciled in Christ. I'm going to boil it down to two things. God values a family that is one relational. And God values a family that is missional. Relational and missional. And again, most churches are going to fall on the spectrum of being real good at one or the other. But God has called us, Orangewood, to be both. That is why if you've been around here, you've heard me say we need to build a community. We really need to build a family. We need to love one another. We need to be connected to one another. Listen, we need one another. And this Western mindset of this bravado that we can do it all on our own, it's nonsense. God has made us for community just as God is in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't get the full picture until we get one another. We need to build a community that really loves each other, that takes off the mass, that's honest with each other. We need to build a community, but we also need to reach a community. God has placed us here to be salt and light. God has placed us here to be the place. Listen to this. This is an amazing description. But God has called the church to be the place where God and his creation meet. We're to be the place that the rest of the world can see. That's what it's all about. we got to reach our community. Okay, well, let me ask the next hard question. Who fits in our family? Who fits? Look around, there's more diversity here. I'm proud of that. But who fits in our family? And I understand that we got to understand our demographics and we got to understand our sweet spot and we got to understand who we are. But who really fits in our community? Interestingly, uh, we had a, a recent candidate come for a, a high level uh, school position, and I had the privilege of being with uh, he and his wife and took them around town. I wanted to show them that here we are in Maitland, just one mile next to us is the oldest African-American incorporated community called Eatonville, drove them through that area, drove them around, and we ended up in Spring Valley, and as I drove through Spring Valley, an awesome neighborhood, looked at a house to buy there myself, we have like 30 families in Spring Valley, it's amazing, you Spring Valley folks, it's awesome. You come out of Spring Valley, you turn right, and I'm showing him around, and there's like an apartment complex, apartment complex, apartment complex, apartment complex, and we have really one family in there. I say, who fits? How come we have 30 in Spring Valley, and you make your way here, and we have like none? So I want to ask the question, who fits in our family? And God is doing this really interesting thing in my own heart, that I believe that he's called me to preach grace. I hope you hear it. Do you hear it? I hope you hear the fact that God just loves us and lavishes a love upon us. But I start looking at our ministries and say, where do the broken fit? What are the broken fit in our ministries? I, I feel sometimes that we present ourselves to like the cleavers. Like we have it all together. I would imagine it's intimidating to come here. And those of you who are visiting, I'm sorry for having such a sermon that's just so much about the family, but thanks for coming. Give me your feedback. And I'm convicted that we need to have more ministries to fit more folks. Because I believe that's what God's calling us to. At the same time, I want to celebrate 
the ministries that God has raised up. There's some great ones. I got an email from one of our elders that talked about the job partnership dinner that took place. That one of the best uh, ministries that we have going on right now that many of you have supported and, and just poured your life into. And there was a love fest up in our upper room with those being trained. And there's white and black and Hispanic all together celebrating what God has done. There's such good things happening at Job Partnership. There's such good things happening at Shepherd's Hope and Helping Hands. There's such good things happening at True Life Choice. There's such good things happening at Restore Orlando. You are getting it. You're hearing it. I just think God's calling us more. Who fits in our family? I'm wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with that. And a bit of that raw stress for less thing kind of haunts me. Being the family that God values. I think that that's where we got to go. Again, not saying God bless our values, but being the family God values. And here are some things. Valuing unity in the midst of diversity. Being one. How do we show this unity in the midst of diversity? A lot of things, I think if you look at the back of your bulletin, you'll see there something says our vision. I want you to know that I I really believe this. I really try to live and lead out of this vision. That I believe that God has called us to transform Central Florida and the world into the kingdom of God through the power of the gospel. That is why I believe we exist. We are here for God's glory to see more people worship God's Son. To see more people under the reign and rule of a godly king named Jesus. And as he taught his disciples to pray, praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I believe that's our calling. And our calling is to preach Christ to all far and near and say, this is the unity that we need. This is what will bring us together in the midst of diversity. We need to value the near and the far. Well, again, most churches will fall down at being really good at one or the other. They'll be really good at valuing the near. Man, we love our family. We love our tradition. We love our songs. We love what we do. We're all about family. We're all about near. Just don't bring me too many people from afar. Some people are so missional saying we love just bringing in new people. We love conversions. We love baptisms. We love seeing the Spirit of God work. But... You know, don't give me tradition. Don't tell me about those who've gone before me. Don't tell me about the joy of the lives of those who were faithful saints before. Neither are right. We need to value, and I think we do a pretty good job. I really do. But we need to value both the near and the far. The fact that Orangewood does have a history and a tradition that we celebrate. This has been a church from day one that's been a multiplying church. From day one that wanted to be salt and light. Celebrate that. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you that God raised up Chuck Green to come start this. Thank you for the other churches that have started. Thank you for the ministries. Thank you. Yes. For those of you who have been faithful to us. I I go in our salt class. And and I see the godly saints that God has given us that have remained through changes. I say thank you. Thank you for those who were, were near for so long. Thank you. God values that. Some of you were far off. Some of you didn't know Christ before you came to Orangewood. Some of you have been baptized right here. Just last week we saw TV, a man who was born Hindu, come to Christ. That we should value and be excited 
value the near and far. We really are. Uh, sometimes, I think sometimes, Orange, would we value the really far off? Uh, we got an incredible pastor and Pastor Creech. We got an incredible missions committee. Sometimes I think we value sometimes the real far away. We got to value those right next door. Valuing reconciliation and peace. And again, if you look at the back of your bulletin, this will kind of does a lot with our mission, which I completely believe in too. Our mission, equipping and empowering the family at Orangewood as ambassadors of Christ to live out the gospel in word and deed. That we have to value reconciliation and peace. Reconciling with one another as a family and reconciling the world. Listen, I, I, I'm going to preach next week on the church and I cannot be more passionate about this, that God has called you and me to make a difference in the world. God has called us. Listen, God has sent His Son to make all things new. And He begins by making our lives new. It's called a new creation in Christ. For those of us, by God's grace, who've been born again through a living relationship with Jesus Christ, now we have been reconciled to a holy God. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It says that we've been given a ministry. Every one of us as a family of God has been given a ministry of reconciliation. We are here to reconcile all things to Christ. That's our purpose. That's our mission. And so what we feel called to do is equip you, equip you in a ministry of reconciliation to be kingdom ambassadors. It's hard to equip those you can't connect. I'll come back to that. Lastly, being the family where God dwells. Listen, there's what, what makes Ross dress for less the place where everybody dwells? I don't know. Maybe you can go and buy a pretty cheap polo at Ross. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's their sales. Uh, I can't think it's their store layout. But something about the place gets us there. It's a place where sales dwell. God bless you. We should be the place. We are called to be the family. Listen, listen how beautiful this is. We are called to be the family, the place where God dwells. That's what we're called for. We have access to the Father through one Spirit, verses 18 and 19. So what does this mean, being the family where God dwells? It means this. We have to have sound theology. We've got to be a family. It's important that we really know what God's Word tells us. People are ringing your doorbell in mind. They're telling you lies about Jesus. They're telling you lies about the Trinity. Look at this one verse. We in Christ Jesus, God's eternal Son, the only way, truth, and life, we through Him and Him alone have access to the Father, the Eternal Father, through one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There's three in one. Sound theology. Access to the Father. We need to have a family that where God dwells and doing so, theology is important. We need to have a Christ-centered foundation. Verse 20. Again, where everything is being built upon Christ. He is the foundation, the cornerstone that everything needs to be built on and everything needs to pull into. He unites us. For Christ and His kingdom, it's not about us, shall forever be as long as God gives me 
breath, what we need to be about. Because Christ is the foundation of this church. And we need to build upon Him and Him alone. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So where is a family that God dwells? It has a sound theology. It looks into His Word. It has a sound foundation. It builds on His Son for everything. And lastly, we need to grow together into the temple of God. A place where God dwells. And what I am realizing in the society in which we live, in a church in which we have, oftentimes it's hard to grow together when we just don't stick together. We are so busy. And we really are just passionate about trying to equip you and, and, and to raise you up and, and us too and gathering together. But it's really hard to build on that which can't stick together. And I'm just, and this is just confession, we're almost done. But you know what? It's really hard to equip those you can't connect. And if anybody can give me the $64,000 answer of how we can do a better job connecting you, I want to know it. Is it equipping centers? Is it small groups? Is it Wednesday night suppers? I mean, how do we connect? Because it's hard to build on stones that aren't connected to one another. And I think in a lot of ways, we come and say family, we have an awesome Sunday morning experience, but are we willing to say, God, build this stone, this living stone, into the fabric of Orangewood? I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be committed to be equipped. I'm going to be committed to one another. And there's pockets of you that really are, and you're doing great, and there's pockets of you that are probably drifting. God has called us to be a family. More than that, a place where He dwells with us. We need you. We need you. We need the gifts and abilities God has given you. We aren't all that we can be if you're not here. If we're not growing together, being equipped together, loving one another, crying with one another. I'm leaving you with tension this morning because I don't have quite the answer of saying, how do we connect better so that we can equip better with one another for the glory of Christ? But this is what I know, Wood, that we need to become who we will be. And who will we be? When the new heavens and new earth comes, we will look more like Ross Dress for Less than we do right now. We'll have more diversity and more unity. We need to value what He values now and be the place where He dwells now. The place where the world can look and say, there is a family of God and God is in the midst. There is something different. There's something different. Something just divine where God dwells is a holy place. Where God dwells is a sacred place with us as family. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy God, the fact that You would like to come and tabernacle with us, Your family, the only way, holy God, that is possible 
is that Your Holy Son came and tabernacled among us in flesh. And through His flesh, divided the wall that separated a holy God and sinful people. And that divided one another. And now through relationship, we can be united. Relationship by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that You, Father, have raised Him from the dead. That we will be saved. And as saved, we are joining this family of God. This place where God dwells. Father, thank You so much for Orangewood Presbyterian Church. For all who she's been. For all that she is. And for all that You're calling us to be. Move powerfully in our midst, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.